Through the Keyhole is fueled by Vanessa House Beer Company, located in Automobile Alley at 118 Northwest 8th Street in Oklahoma City. Stop by the tap room and try the legendary 401k lager or the refreshing destination wedding cerveza with salt and lime. Vanessa House is always brewing something fun like the Pog Hard Seltzer or their sweet and tasty sours. Great beers for a hot Oklahoma summer as we march towards football season. Stop by the Vanessa House Tap Room at 118 Northwest 8th Street in Oklahoma City for good drinks and family-friendly good times. Kids and pets are welcome. Yes, I mentioned kids and pets in the same sentence. Vanessa House Beer Company, the best beer in Oklahoma City. Please drink responsibly. Welcome to Through the Keyhole, an OU fan podcast, or OU football podcast even. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Peyton Guthrie, joined as always by Brady Trantham, Matt Burton, and Alan Kenny. But before we dive into the show, I want to thank all of our patrons over at www.patreon.com slash through the keyhole for their continued support as well as Vanessa House, Scratch Kitchen and Cocktail, and new to the team, The Spirit Shop in Norman, Oklahoma. They deliver. Check them out. You'll be hearing about them more later. But let's just dive straight into this. Uh, Alan, beyond your picks on the uh, the pick'em for the keyhole, how are you doing? Because hopefully your real, game, your real gambling picks are doing much better than that. Oh, gosh, man. I got murdered this weekend. No, it was terrible. <laughs> it was, I mean, top to bottom. It was, you know, I'd like especially because like i was i don't know if you guys will watch the uh penn state west virginia game at all but i mean you know james franklin scored a you know the fu touchdown with like four mm-hmm. seconds left to uh cover the number i was actually and, and hit the over i was actually on the under there same pretty much the exact same thing happened in uh well not the exact same thing yeah the opposite way san jose uh scored with like you know 10 seconds left their game against Oregon State on Sunday hit the over. I was on the under there, so that, that just kind of summed things up. It was a yeah dreadful start to finish. Well, Al- Alan, real quick, I just want to I just want to know what side of your brain takes over. So let, let's say you bet the under for OU Texas. OU is in the lead; they're going to win the game. And then Brent Venable says, "I remember last year," and then decides to score a fuck you touchdown against Texas. Now the Crimson side of the stadium is losing their minds. What is Alan Kennedy doing in that moment? Oh, I mean, that's a great question. You know, I, I, this is why I try not to bet on OU games for the most part, because it's kind of like sometimes when you lose, you really win. Sometimes when you win, you know. Uh, so, yeah, but that that part of me is probably fairly disappointed at that point that, uh, you know, oh, you did. Oh, you didn't just kneel it out or something like that. Can't bet with your heart, man. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Yeah. You got to hope he, they do the. uh the Samaj P. Ryan uh, move yeah. and just kneel oh, on him. Yeah. That's, that's even more disrespectful if you really Alan, think about it from that perspective. Alan, Alan would be the, like, the loudest fan in the stadium just standing up going, class, pure class. That was pure class right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cha-ching! <laughs> uh, but Brady, speaking of that, how how are you are, are you back on the mend? I mean, how are things on uh, on your side of things? Much better. Um, God, I no idea. I... I clearly remember all of Saturday. Um, 
I know what I did and nothing that I did that day physically in terms of like, I, I walk way more on a work day mm -hmm. than I did Saturday. I don't really climb trains, but I did that day. But in the moment, nothing really hurts. I'm fairly active. So it wasn't like completely stationary human being does minor activity and then lives to tell the tale. Um, I don't know what happened. I couldn't bend my knee on Sunday. Just now, now I could, I, I skipped the gym Monday to take the day off to heal up a little bit more. Um, I did legs and squats today, so I felt Ooh. good enough to do that. There you um, go. My right shoulder is still right here. It's just really screwed up. I might've just slept on that wrong. You know, That's it's good age. for shoulder That's pain. That's just age. <laughs> what is Matt? Tell me. None. I just, I, I don't know where to go from there. Uh, <laughs> please someone just say yeah, yeah just yeah, you yeah. Know what, just rub it what, massage it a lot here's what matt just did he's like i have a monday through friday show and this no. is the free sh and this is the free pod right now no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, if you guys want to hear the full story of that in a little more detail go check out our no cap recap thank you so much alan for the name uh you have to be a patron for that oh, for our a post game breakdown so no good. cap recap it's very good wasn't I like it? That. he tossed it out He's tossed it out. Uh, that's free money for us. But Matt, yeah, you've you've got to run all this stuff now, man. You're doing the pregame, the postgame, the during the game. You're like putting the ball on the field during the games. Yeah, I don't I mean, know what's going on, man. OU, OU football is crazy for you right now. How how are you holding up? It's very weird. It's very very weird. But uh, you know, I'm I'm happy about it. Happy to uh, be doing it. I'm I'm excited for the change. You know, being up in the in the press box is actually kind of it was kind of a cool thing, kind of a cool experience. I've never mm -hmm. done that before, so. Uh, very cool. And then, uh, gentlemen, obviously the OU weren't, weren't the only games that went on, uh, shout out to the Duke blue devils. Oh yeah. Way, oh man. Uh, taking down the Clemson tigers last night. So, uh, let's go Duke, uh, Mike Krzyzewski. Um, you know, I know Krzyzewskiville was just going crazy last night that it turned into Cameron outdoor stadium and, uh, we love to see it. We absolutely <laughs> love to see it. <laughs> what, was the, what was the kid's name? Is it Riley Leonard? Yeah, yes. he actually was yeah. going to play both basketball and football at Duke. Uh, and then Coach K retired, and he was like, well, I'm not going to play Ooh. basketball anymore. Oh, so. <laughs> look, at that, look at that tall, lanky, white kid run. It was fun. Yeah. Hey, you guys know how I uh, prepped for the game on Saturday? How? Listening to the uh, pregame tailgate there with Matt Burton online. Oh, nice. Oh, wow. Yeah. Thank you, man. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Oh, indeed. Nudging, nudging all I was your doing friends. Was, I know yeah. that guy. <laughs> no, no, no. Not at all. <laughs> All I was doing was having people who actually know a lot more than me about OU football on and just asking them questions. That was it. That was it. That, that, that's the gig. Uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll go actually start this show. People are hearing us like ramble on about, about uh, how everything's going. Uh, our our uh, show topic number one is just the week one recap of OU versus Arkansas State. Now, again, if you had a chance, if you're one of our patrons, you got the full depth de in detail from, from Matt and Brady from the no cap recap. But just as a short reminder here, uh, if you guys are living under a rock, University of Oklahoma football team beat Arkansas State 73-0 uh, completely as a new term I'm using in my post uh, on Wednesday. Uh, Oppenheimer and them uh, out of existence <laughs> completely and utterly. It's good. Uh, it, it yep. beat them so badly that OU and S&P Plus uh, has now jumped to fifth overall, <laughs> according oh, to that God. model. K Ford oh. up to sixth. Uh, the only uh, analytical model that doesn't have didn't give a huge jump would be our uh, friend Rob Bowron over at Beta Rank, going from 42nd to 38th. That said, his is built more on games being played <laughs> as opposed to having built with the uh, built-in priors at that point in time. Uh, but Alan, we haven't had a chance to hear your thoughts of it. 
73 to zero seems like a lot of numbers on one and no numbers on the other. But uh, what are your general thoughts on the game coming out of that? Yeah. Yeah. The math checks out there. Uh, You know, I thought that it was like, look, Arkansas state is really bad. And I went back and watched. There's definitely a lot of stuff that I saw that maybe a better team would have taken advantage of. There's no doubt about that. But, you know, one of the reasons, I mean, analytics are fairly, you know, they, they tend to be predictive, right? And mm-hmm. one of the things that they found is that teams that have the capacity to go out and beat another uh, FBS level team, 73 to nothing, generally are fairly fair fairly fairly well as the season goes on right so i mean all in all the sharpness of the performance um i think a lot of the stuff that we saw i mean so much just looked a lot better and a lot cleaner from last year uh you know really from at any point in time last during last season um all in all i think it was a uh you know exactly what you wanted to see yeah that's something I, that I, was really impressive about my side of it like if you're just a dig through the this you know the box score and say well you know like 50 yards rushers the highest rusher and things of that nature it wasn't there wasn't like a dominant performance via like individual performers uh from that point in time you know if you remove the quarterbacks but it was just a complete just everyone got in on it you know everyone was there everyone got snaps everyone had positive plays i mean farouk didn't I don't, I'm not sure he received a target. <laughs> you know, it's like they just, they did not have to do anything beyond just play as vanilla as they wanted to and just let everyone get snaps at that point in time. They treated it purely as a scrimmage and and to walk out of a scrimmage-like environment without, I don't know, there's a couple of busts, like you said, they no one was able to kind of take advantage of from that point in time. It, it really makes me feel good about it. The, the post I'm writing for Wednesday you know, o- OU last year opened up with UTEP, and UTEP was like the 91st overall team via SP uh, SP Plus, uh, and Arkansas State, I think, was like the 100, 101st, so they're very close from a talent profile type of a thing, and OU didn't win 73-0 against UTEP, <laughs> and, and maybe just from that perspective alone, it shows you that maybe there's a little more attention to detail, <clears throat> and, you know, the buzzword of the season just more competitive depth across the way so this OU team's not getting tired or not getting worn out uh, regardless of who they're playing Uh, but the number that really sticks out to me more than anything of all the stuff that happened of all the points and everything uh, is 36 first downs Uh, that that's that's efficient that's moving that's I mean you're, you're doing great at that point in time I mean that that's how this levy offense if it can work in that manner now, obviously, you're not going to have 36 first downs against Texas or something like that. But if you can move at somewhat of a comparable rate, that helps with the defense. It helps you keeping from having them out there so much. And that was the issue that ran into a lot of time last year, which OU just not being able to stay on the field, you know, via, you know, self-errors, unforced errors to a certain degree. But uh, go ahead, uh, Brady. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, I mean, to what, I mean, Alan was talking about a little bit more. I mean, it's, and it's a part of the broader conversation because everything that could be dissected from a 73 to nothing victory over a terrible team, you know, has been talked about, but just kind of trying to pick up from some earlier conversations that we had um, before the game was played over the last few weeks. I I think Alan, I think you and I had a conversation back and forth about um, how I would prefer the offense just not thrive solely off big plays and while there were plenty of big plays against arkansas state like everybody got one um it was 
a lot different than the UTEP performance where a lot of the the important plays in that game offensively were the result of just big plays, but everything else in the middle of that game was just really bad or average. And it was, as we saw, very indicative of how the rest of the season went. And so the hope is that, you know, this game is more indicative of how the season goes and that when OU has the chance to dominate and crush their opponent early, they, they'll take advantage this time instead of like letting games bleed longer into the third and fourth. But I will say like one of the, Cooler things that I thought, because you had just mentioned this, Peyton, how Jalil Farouk, I think his only target was technically a rush. I don't know if he got another target thrown his way, um, but it seemed like OU's offense understood quickly that, like you said, this is a scrimmage. Let's let's make sure every player that is basically like the jury is out until we see something. Let's make sure every one of them gets a big play. So you're talking about Andrew Anthony, the first second third or play of the game like let's prove that he can be a top receiver in this offense boom check mark uh Jaden Gibson let's prove that last year was kind of a misnomer and that he's on the trajectory to be being an impactful rotation rotational player in this offense especially with his size check mark Nick Anderson had a rush once last year in the cheese at bowl let's show that he's more than just a name and a player with some good size check check every player that had a question mark offensively at least i feel like ou was able to show that we can ride with a lot of these guys and to your overall point Peyton, like the competitive depth at least offensively from a skill position standpoint is there from i guess the factor of they've shown now that they can do this so Jaden gibson doesn't have bad memories now the last time he's on a football field nick anderson doesn't have like i i don't know what i'm capable of um he doesn't have that in his memory anymore so I'm at least happy from that standpoint. I was just curious if you guys kind of felt uh, a similar way when you're trying to think of a blowout victory um, in so many different ways so that we can talk about it. Yeah, I mean, it, it just goes to, to show just the efficiency of the offense versus a defense of that nature. I mean, uh, you know, this is a defense that's ranked 110th. Uh, again, I'm, I'm going to keep using SP Plus over and over and again because it's just, it's ESPN. It's an easy thing to use. Uh, and Bill's a friend of the pod. Uh, but, I mean, it, it's a defense that, should not have gotten in an OU's way and did not get in OU's way. I mean, there was, I mean, the, the my favorite run of the entire game, I think it was like a five yard run where Barnes just met a guy in the hole and like sidewalked him to the first down and dropped him. I mean, it's just like completely disrespectful just to pick right. up the first down. Uh, oh, you didn't need to do that. Now that said, I don't know if OU has a lot of that in them. Uh, even if they want to, I mean, no, the, I mean, the only running back of note that seems to have that power, it's probably shall Chuck uh, Hicks potentially as well. Um, and then, the, like you said, if Dylan can hit somebody in stride on a deep ball, maybe that's there, uh, but um, he's still able to at least get the top off, off, off of a defense uh, and allowing those players to make plays uh, down the field. Yeah. And I, I think that, you know, the position group that stood out to me the most, talking about the offense was easily the receivers and it wasn't just the plays that they were able to make you know uh one-on-one -on -one down the field it's kind of the big plays that we were talking about Brady that like we wanted to see more than they blocked so well on Saturday like I mean the stuff that they did blocking was more impressive to me like from what I saw than anything they did catching the ball I mean and 
that's the kind of thing. I mean, it was there last year, but clearly they've kind of taken on like an all around type mentality. You know, that's, I, I'm assuming that's something that uh, Emmett Jones has really preached because uh, all in all, that was really, you know, I mean, yeah, the individual down the field catches were nice, but just seeing kind of like the whole offense kind of flowing together uh, was really impressive top to bottom. Yeah, the Drake touchdown, I think that was like a 12, 15, 12 yards out. He just caught it and just basically walked into the end zone. I mean, he had two the two wide receivers on there, which I have it saved as a gift for Wednesday. I uh, can't remember their names exactly. Just had those two corners just completely locked down, and he just had complete free reign in there. And, you know, and good news on him via Brent. It seems like he's going to be available to play if they need him um, against SMU. Um, and then the same for uh, PJ. Uh, everything seems to be fine from that perspective. Uh are there any other uh, keynotes that we want to point out from uh, on there, other than like the controversial only one sack in the fourth quarter, uh, all hell's breaking loose, the Brent Venables defense isn't uh, havoc-inducing? Well, I, I think the good thing is, is if anybody was going to get a sack on this defensive line, it was going to be preseason Big 12 defensive lineman of the year extraordinaire supernova, <laughs> Ethan Downs, and that's exactly what happened. And so I think from that standpoint, we can rest easy that at least Ethan Downs will be there. Yeah, yeah, the the voters voted right so far. They they've got him. <laughs> He's going to have it. If if he gets one a game, that's twelve. That's a lot. Shit. Was he the defensive player of the week in the conference? Because man, the Big Twelve did not do very well no. yeah. in Week One. Yikes! Bad, real bad. Uh, so we'll talk about some other games we have here on on Week One. Uh, I have a uh, Tech in Wyoming. I feel the need and the the need to defend this Tech thing because I had them playing in the Big Twelve championship game. It's a fun could game. still happen. Could still very much so happen. Um, but they're playing in Laram uh, Laramie. Uh, I believe what I heard was the highest altitude football stadium in the continuous 48. Uh, uh, it just seems like it's a, a very bad mistake there. Uh, obviously had the lead 17 to 0. And then things just started falling apart. I'm just not exactly sure what happened other than things got real clunky for them. Uh, how is it just pure? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, is that just a a weird funky game that they just need to say, Hey, this happened <laughs> now move on. Now we've got Oregon. You know, that's what's going on. That my assumption is that much like Texas and rice, my assumption is that Texas tech kind of thought they're going to walk into Wyoming because they're kind of high on their own supply based on that head coach. And they've got the, you know, the big 12 commissioner coming down to Lubbock, telling them what they're going to do and all that type of stuff. And they just totally, <laughs> totally were just yeah. looking at Oregon the entire time. Uh, much like Texas, looking right past Rice to the Alabama. Um, was there a bit of a look-ahead letdown in that, Alan, do you think? Or or, or does this Tech team have a little more of a, a down-to-earth type of a feeling? So you had them, I think, seven wins? Uh, I, th I can't remember exactly. Um, yeah, yeah, like, look, I didn't get a lot right gambling-wise this weekend, but I nailed this one. I bet this one, like, a month ago uh, <laughs> because uh, Tech was Tech was giving uh, 14 – I bet I bet uh, Wyoming outright. I took the points wow. off. I mean, and the thing is, and it, it's really just was just a matter of this happens to teams a lot, man. Going yeah. to Laramie, they just come and they lay an egg. And on top of that, with Oregon coming up this week, uh, you just had to know that Tech was going. I, I felt like Tech would not get a very give a very focused effort. You're going to get a different kind of performance out of Wyoming in that scenario. Uh, to me, it was all just kind of setting up for a, a Wyoming upset. Uh, I, I expect Tech will actually play pretty well this weekend against Oregon. That's my expectation as well. Uh, 
let me just for just for a clarification, I had Tech at ten and two. Matt had him at nine and three. Brady had him at eight and four. Allen had him at seven and five. So we all were kind of generally up. Yeah, he's he's the one. He's like, yeah, we got they got five losses easy. Uh, we're all generally positive on uh, on the Red Raiders. Me much more so, obviously, because uh, I thought this was going to be an in the bag win uh, there. But yeah, I mean, it, it's obviously a black eye on on the Big Twelve for a potential dark horse. I mean, Texas Tech was a, a media darling dark horse uh, coming into this season, much like they had Kansas State last year uh, to come right out and just get punched in the face. Uh, but I, I do agree. I think this will be a, a bounce back for them. They have Oregon in Lubbock. Is that correct? Correct. I hope so. If they're going to schedule a road opener yeah. in yeah, that'd Laramie be horrible. and then yeah, go yeah. to Eugene, it's like you might as well fucking stay in Wyoming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So on their side, they get potentially, you know, weird night game vibes or something like that in Lubbock. They get road Bonex, which is always uh, an adventure uh, if you've uh, seen him play football. Uh, so maybe they have a chance to bounce back and kind of reassert themselves um, uh, with a potential power to be uh, in the Big 12. Um, Brady, you picked a game for the to kind of walk back here on week one. What did you have uh, picked out there? Did I do Clemson and Duke? You had Clemson Duke. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Just, I mean, just for our co-host here. Yeah, Alan picked my uh, he picked my spot because he got in the Discord quicker than I did. So that's my fault. But no, I mean, just easiest game to kind of call back to since it just happened, you know, 24 hours ago. Um, Club Nick's not very good. And I I think people who watched the the what was it? The Orange Bowl last year against Tennessee. um, I, I got some of the. I got it a little bit with Klubnik, and I erred on the side of, well, I mean, Clemson's kind of an established program, at least at this point with Davo Sweeney. I know Brent's not there anymore, obviously, but he's a DC. How much can he affect the offense? And plus, they just hired Garrett Riley. Um, yeah. th- that should be a positive, but then you watch their offense, and they clearly don't have a lot of skill position players that match the offense that I guess Garrett Riley would typically want to run. I don't know how much of their offense is supposed to be Garrett Riley's or how much of it is supposed to be, well, run the Clemson offense, but kind of implement some of your own philosophy. Like, I don't know that, especially after game one, like it seemed very janky. They were able to move the ball. And yet in winning time in the winning time situations, they were not able to do any, like they, it looked like they were allergic to playing positive football. It was embarrassing. Um, and then having said that, I mean, Duke, Duke looked like a legit team. Like they, they, because yeah. I know like the last 10 years, there've been like some good Duke football teams that have kind of made their hay on a, the ACC is never good. And B they've got a good defensive line or a good linebacking court. Like they usually have had like some good unit on defense and that made them like a, a respectable program for being a basketball school, but they looked like a legit squad, like a potential force in the ACC. Uh, but it's just another example of, you know, if we just talked about the tech game, don't, don't schedule a road, um, a road opener against a, a program like Wyoming or like a North Dakota state, like, like schools like that, that are solid, that have a solid history of winning. And I think even with Wyoming, um, I mean, I think, I think Colt McCoy, Texas went to Laramie once and had a tough time and barely left with a victory. So that, I mean, tech should learn that, but, and also don't, don't open your season in conference. I just, I never understand why that, that, that happens. It's, it's kind of weird to me. And it seems like the, uh, 
quote unquote better teams always come out more flat than the uh, lesser talented team. So for Clemson, I mean, it's it's week one. I mean, nothing's really over, but you know, for the OE fan and me, it was nice to see a trader by proxy Garrett Riley's offense just get stunted into the ground. Um, but I mean, good for Duke. I'm not really ready to jump on the Clemson under Dabo Sweeney is truly dead and it's it's going to continue to falter. Not there yet, but boy, does it not look very good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Clemson, listen, Clemson's offense is never was never like outrageously, you know, schematically there. It was always yeah. we have NFL running backs, NFL receivers, and NFL quarterbacks. And yeah. they covered up a lot of it. And w- once that starts slipping on the on the on you know on the recruiting side, or maybe guys aren't developing in the evaluation side or developmental side, you know, e- any offense is going to fall apart. And that was not. And Alan, maybe have a chance to look at it a little bit closer than I did. I just watched the the highlights of that game. Um, that was not a a Riley esque, you know, Garrett Riley offense. I mean, it didn't seem like it was a fully what I'm used to seeing uh, out, out of that type of stuff, especially when, uh, you know, the Rileys, both of them, you know, really make their money, you know, almost kind of like a, 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 an Oakland Raiders type of a thing where it's like, we're, we play a spread, but it's spreading you vertically. Like we're trying, everything yeah. we're doing is trying to push the ball 50 yards down the field. And this was just dink and dunk and, you know, how many ways can we get Will Shipley to football within two yards of the line of scrimmage? It seemed like it just wasn't there. Now, they did move the ball kind of effectively, but some of that, too, is it's like if Duke doesn't doesn't make some weird mistakes, Duke's running away with it even more than they did. But at the exact same time, Clemson did gave that game away over and over and over and over again where you, you may kind of that Duke kind of had their way with them regardless of that because Duke was making their mistakes as well. Go ahead, Brady. I was just going to say like OU has lost to Kansas State in that exact same fashion by seven points like Mm -hmm. a handful of times and Clemson got like blown out of the game. Like it was over. It felt like that game was over two or three times and then I went to sleep at one point, woke up about an hour after the game had ended and saw the, I was like, oh, that Duke scored again and Clemson did not score at all. Oh my God. Okay. So again, like, yeah, they kicked, they shot themselves in the foot. A lot of mistakes that they probably won't repeat. Um, so like credit to Duke, you know, you get lucky, but you also kind of created your own luck. But at the same time, I mean, like I said, I've seen OU lose games like that a handful of times, mm-hmm. especially against Kansas State, but OU at least will make a game out of it scoring margin wise. Clemson just got run out of the, I was about to say the gym, Matt. They got run out of the stadium. <laughs> yeah, Alan, do you think that maybe th- just the magic is gone, you know, for for Clemson? You know, not that they are, you know, a 6 and 6 team all of a sudden, but the idea that they're going to go 13 and 0 on the season, 12 and 1 on the season, you know, and and, and compete uh, at, at the highest levels of of college football. Do you think maybe that's just slipped slightly and they've just kind of lost a gear at that point in time? I mean, I guess that's possible. I mean, I don't know. I look at Clemson, and you know, ne- they've never been particularly strong on the offensive line. Uh, they've always been good enough, but never, you know, just, uh, you know, it's never been like a premium position for them. Uh, they've made up for that in the past with uh, their skill, talent, you know, quarterback, receiver, uh, running back with guys like Etienne. Uh, they don't have any anybody 
of that caliber right now. I mean, you look at the teams that uh, won national championships for championships for them. They were throwing to guys like T. Higgins, uh, Leggett, uh, Justin Ross, uh, Deion Kane. I mean, these are you know five star, just you know lanky, fast wideouts. They don't have any guys like that anymore. Uh, you know, and Klubnik uh, just made a lot of really just mind mind boggling decisions at times last night. Um, so you can always there there's there's time to turn it around, um, but they've got to figure out a way to uh, get back to landing the players of those premium positions. And right now, the uh, offense they you know they don't have anything like a what are what are they selling offensively? You know, come play with Kate Klubnik right now. Like mm, it's not the same thing, you know. As saying, oh, we got Trevor Lawrence. Is Florida State going to pass them? I mean, not not necessarily just in terms of like the ACC this season. I mean, Florida State surprised the hell out of me with how much they dominated LSU. Um, I did not buy a lot of the Florida State hype, but I guess for at least now I'll eat some crow. But I mean, if this continues, is Florida State just going to replace Clemson in in terms of the SEC gets all the crews, the Ohio State, Michigan, and maybe another Big Ten school gets others, and then Clemson? Like, is Florida State just going to, like, take that? They've already kind of done that now, at least on the Cruton Trail. Enjoy great food and drinks at the original Norman Hotspot and its first cocktail bar. Scratch Kitchen and Cocktails is our choice for quality meals and drinks to enjoy the next time you're looking for a great night out. With locations in historic downtown Norman on Main Street and the Paseo Arts District in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma fans from all over the metro can enjoy Scratch Kitchen and Cocktails. Also, be sure to pick up or ask about Scratch's ready-made old-fashioned cocktail at your local wine and spirit store. Take the best Scratch concoction home to sit on your lounge and continue listening to this episode. Scratch Kitchen and Cocktails. Great food, drinks, and atmosphere. I mean, it depends on who they have next. I mean, they have a quarterback right now that's good enough uh, to handle this stuff and throw it to two freaks of wide receivers on the outside. Oh, yeah. Uh, but who do they have next? You know, I mean, you have to... Clemson was able to do it with like a string of like, what, four you know, four very good and two of them being NFL quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what propelled them all the way. You know, Florida State has one guy who is above average right now, you know, and potentially maybe a Heisman dark horse, all that kind of stuff. But it's just one guy, you know, can they line up the next one? Look at Oklahoma. You know, can they have their Baker, then their Kyler, then their Jalen? You know, it's like, can they stack? You have to continue to stack these successes. That's just the hardest part of that. Dabo had a dynasty. And that's what I'm saying. It's like Dabo's, he's, he's dropping off from number one to now just, potentially just a perennial top 10 team. And that's a drop. And for teams have to kind of deal with that, especially the newer ones who are used to, you know, Clemson, Clemson v. Alabama, you know, for national championships. Yeah. I mean, and that actually, you know, gets into the next game, uh, you know, Florida State LSU, which, um, you know, there was kind of this feeling coming into the season that I think uh, Florida State and, you know, you know, the Florida State was, you know, one of those teams that was getting a lot of buzz, but that LSU had really arrived after last season. That didn't happen. I mean, clearly, um, the the issue there, from what I could tell, was essentially that LSU secondary just wasn't nearly where they needed it to be for a team with, that has as much firepower as the Seminoles did. Um, and, you know, Florida State's obviously got, uh, you know, a couple guys there on the outside in Wilson and uh, Keon Coleman 
who uh, are just, you know, uh, going to be a nightmare matchup for any team they take on. Um, great, you know, front seven. You know, I mean, all the stuff about Florida State that uh, could have gone right or that people were saying, you know, they need to show that they can do X, Y, and Z. They did it all against LSU. Uh, and I, I think that you'll end up seeing that LSU has, you know, uh, enough talent to – win a lot of games in the sec this year but without the secondary any team with a you know with a semblance of a passing offense is going to give them a lot of problems yeah the lsu game i mean i i, I kept track of that in the first half before i got busy out the uh choctaw nation labor day festival it's once a year during the labor day festival out in tushkahoma oklahoma is my my gig but you know the first half of that i was seeing a lot of tweets of wow these two teams are just punching each other in the face like two big dumb football brands, uh, both making mistakes in the red zone. Uh, and then Florida State just stopped making mistakes. And that was that. <laughs> I mean, from a very, like, hands-away sort of a side of it. You know, the major highlight I have of that is, uh, um, you know, the LSU quarterback trying to hurdle uh, the defensive line and then being told very, very loudly uh, and profoundly, do not do not do that again. <laughs> uh, but Brady, I mean, You've got, like you said, you're mentioning this FSU. Do they have a chance to, you know, flip over there? Um, I think, all, you know, not to call Allen too much, but, you know, one of his sneaky playoff predictions was three L, three SEC teams in the playoff, uh, LSU being one of them. Uh, <laughs> uh, do you think that is, is the calling card for FSU? To, you know, I mean, obviously it is. They put a, they've put a flag down in their season. Week one, they've done it. They've slayed an SEC giant. Do you think they have a chance now to ride that through? Because the ACC, I mean, if Clemson's truly staggering on, if they're kind of a half a team, who do you have to look forward to? I mean, what, Duke at the now? Like, is that your main rival there? Whatever Miami we'll, is? Yeah, we'll learn a lot about Miami this weekend, even though they're going to play a shitty team and shitty program in Texas A&M. If Miami takes care of business, that's that's at least like a step up. Just like if OU takes care of business to the tune of like, you know, I know the spread's like 16, but if OU like really dominates us. You, like that has proven nothing. Oh, you started off three, no last year, but that'll at least show mm -hmm. some, Hey, they, they might be a little different this year. Maybe they'll win eight games, you know, if you want to be an asshole, but whatever. Um, I mean, for Florida state, like, I mean, admittedly before the cheese at bowl, I, I wasn't buying a lot of like, look out for Florida state next year. Like whoever they play in the bowl game, if they are able to win that game, you know, they'll have a little momentum train going into next season. And then I look at their mm -hmm. schedule and who they've played and who they beat. I'm like, well, the LSU wins really good, but uh, they had to have a miracle played happen in order for it to happen. It was game one and it's not impossible for teams to improve from game one uh, drastically as the season goes along. It wasn't very indicative of LSU's season as the season went along since they were able to get to the uh, SEC, SEC championship. But um for Florida State, you know, like they they beat all their bad teams last year, and then they lost to other than LSU the good teams on their schedule, and then they play us, and we are six and six, we are not good, and they had to have a Savion Bird holding call save them from being down twenty one to three in the blink of an eye, and OU still could have very well lost that game straight up, even if they had gone up twenty one to three. I am not trying to say that. But at the end of the day, I'm like, they've got some talent and they're a little bit better than they've been over the last decade, but they are by no means like some like title contender, playoff contender. They're only a playoff contender in that if they win that shitty conference, 
they might get into the playoff and then get exposed worse than TCU got exposed against Georgia in the national title game last year. But I mean, I'll, I'll give them some credit. They, they looked much better, but again, they just looked like a slightly better version of the team that OU played last year because it took them a long time in that game to really kind of stretch out that lead. And that tells me, you know, LSU's probably going to still have a good rest of the season. So Alan, your pick could still be fine. So don't worry about that. Um, but I mean, I don't know, like the ACC, I feel like, I feel like people have already kind of built into their minds that the Pac-12 is going to be good. So whoever wins that conference, as long as they don't have three losses um, and everybody else in the country isn't one loss and undefeated. If there are like a few one loss teams, um, a, two, a few two loss teams and no one's undefeated, two loss Pac-12 t- champion can probably get in because I think people have put that in their, into their narratives at this point. Um, the Big 12 gets some respect this year because of what TCU did last year, but again, unless it's OU or Texas, no one's really going to care. Um, and then the SEC and the Big Ten are going to do their thing. So um, it's it's interesting with FSU, what they did impressed me, but I'm not like overall, oh, they're a title contender now. Well, much like um, the jump from year one to year two for head coaches, uh, it, you know, it's said that teams make their most improvement from week one to week two, and you're able to kind of get an understanding of where they are at this point in time. Uh, OU gets a chance to get, you know, to take another test this time against SMU. Uh, SB Plus has them ranked, I believe, as the 43rd um, overall team. I mean, yeah, 43rd overall team uh, coming in, in, into the season. I'm not into the season, into week uh, week two with the 23rd overall offense and 69th. Nice. Uh, overall defense uh, to play the um, Oklahoma Sooners. Now, again, for reference, Arkansas State was in the 100s in both of those stats. Uh, SMU is going to try to stretch the ball down the field. It will be much more of a passing attack than what Arkansas State did, which, you know, they're playing mass protect, uh, you know, three-step ball out or trying to do like little swing passes and run the football. It's going to be a much different uh, environment, um, you know, situationally for OU to try to pass on the football side of things. But that said, they've got a quarterback who's young, who misses some balls, and he had a uh, uh, you know, they had some misses on his side. And I believe, you know, former co-host of this uh, Prestige uh, podcast had pointed out that if you remove three big giant boom plays for SMU, uh, yeah, for SMU, their offense basically did little to nothing uh, for the rest of the time from that perspective. Uh, but Alan, what, what are your thoughts on on the Mustangs uh, coming into Norman, um, you know, uh, for this weekend? Yeah, you know, I uh, watched part of their uh, game with uh, Louisiana Tech today. And, I mean, you know, it's a good team. I mean, it really is. Uh, a lot of weapons on offense. They've taken in a lot of transfers uh, from the area who come in from, you know, larger programs, guys like Micah Hudson and uh, Jalen Knighton. Um, I mean, I was, you know, and I was impressed with what they can do. I mean, their, their quarterback, Stone, is is young, obviously, but uh, – I mean, throws the ball well. And defensively, that was the uh, kind of the surprise to me is that it seems like they've actually improved a lot there. They were uh, tougher than I expected, you know. Uh, watching it, they do a lot of stuff where they're moving around, trying to uh, create some negative plays. Um, so, you know, a lot of this, I think, will probably come down to, uh, I guess one of the things that I'm actually, what I'm mainly interested to see is what kind of scheme uh Oh, you decide once to play against them. They do. They seem to get. Uh, I mean, they made a lot of money off of throwing down just you know vertical routes to uh, guys like Hudson. Um, 
you know, who would, you know, they've got bigger receivers. They were kind of able to moss a couple of uh, Louisiana Tech's uh, corners. So it makes me wonder if OU might uh, try the uh, 3-3-3 defense, three-man front um, out there. And if if they do, uh, that'll be really interesting from a schematic standpoint to watch. What about you, Brady? You, you've got these you got these little Dallas boys coming up here to uh, take on the hardcore Oklahoma kids who really know their tough scrabble. You know, we've got a bunch of uh, uh, Gavin Freeman's on the roster ready to take on these city boys. Uh, I mean, what, I mean, what are you looking at for SMU to come in here? Well, I, I think one of the cool things that I'm looking forward to with this game is just um, other than the schematic advantages that SMU has in terms of their skill position guys that everybody has mentioned a zillion times by now um, and has probably been mentioning um, ever since the off season. Um, I think one of the cool things about this game is SMU is going to come into Norman with the belief that they can come in and win. And it's a lot of it has to do with, yeah. Oh, you beat somebody 73 to nothing last week, but Last year they were six and seven, and last year they started off three and zero. Oh, and maybe we can show the world um, that they are closer still to that six and seven program than yeah. something better. So SMU is going to come in here and absolutely not be worried. And the reason why I'm excited for that is I really want to see if this defense has taken a fucking step. Mm-hmm. I really I want to believe after I what I saw last week. I think the stats been floating around that. Um, oh, you had three missed tackles last year. One of them was Jaron Canick near the uh, first down line. He actually threw the guy backwards and he, two teammates of his came and uh, tackled the ball carrier before he got a first down. So it ultimately led to a good thing. So two missed tackles that I don't know what their consequences were. Oh, you missed tackles last year in two hand touch games. I'm sure like it was bad. And so Yes, they played Arkansas State and beat the crap out of them, and, and Arkansas State sucks, but that level of defensive performance gets me excited for a much better, much better equipped offense to come in here with the belief that, hey, we can we can make this happen. Because you're going to hear a lot of hedge language going into the week of, would not be shocked if this is like a high-scoring game or back-and-forth affair where people are going to be like, I'm not going to call outright for OU to get upset, but I'm going to say things to prepare you for the fact that they could very well get upset because, oh, you sucked last year. And so this will be a very good test. And I hope Brent is basically telling the the team this, this exact thing. Like, this team is coming in here thinking that they're playing 6-7 2022 Oklahoma. Go show them what 2023 Oklahoma looks like. So I'm excited for that. Yeah, that that's something you know. It, it, it's just the idea of how can they hold on to this? Can, can they roll the momentum? Because what happened against Arkansas State is that everything went their way. We didn't have a moment where they could, you know, if if SMU scores on like a 55-yard, you know, uh, pass and run type of a situation, catch and run type situation, what's going to happen at that point in time? Do we get the, oh, shit, here we go again. It's crumbling. I mean, because OU football has had this. They start, they pucker up, it, they get get clammy, everything gets tight. There is this, there isn't a, like, shake it off, go back out there and dominate again. It's always kind of this, shrug their shoulders down and all the fans in the stadium are like, shit, it's happening. You know I mean? I, that's what's going to happen. SMU is going to score. I mean, if, if OU holds this to, uh, you know, a goose egg on this too, I'm going to potentially massively change my expectations of this football team moving forward. Uh, but they will be scored on, you know, and it's going to happen and it may be back and forth in the first quarter. <laughs> and then, you know, the depth of the OU team kind of takes over from, from that point in time, the second, third, fourth, fifth, uh, you know, fifth quarters, hopefully not. Uh, 
But I think that's that's something I'm I'm really looking forward to see, and then just seeing you know, I, you know, I don't know, just, just seeing seeing how OU kind of responds to that, and then knowing can they, you know, throttle on somebody. SMU's defense is not great itself. You know, it, it, they have a chance to put up a lot of points. They have a chance to basically play defensive offensive football by getting you know. 20 plus first downs and just possess the ball the entire time and they have a chance too where they can be aggressive and they can just like keep it keep things smooth on their side but matt i mean you know you got to cover this show i mean you got to cover this game I mean, what are some key talking points you're gonna you're gonna throw out there about this these smu mustangs man just that they are very talented offensively like they're the the jordan hudson kid the transfer from tcu uh the two backs they got at johnson what jalen knighton i think um and then Preston Stone, like that's that's what I'm more looking forward to because, again, there wasn't a ton of times that this happened, but there were some times against Arkansas State where guys basically just dropped the ball. Like I mean, they would have had like not big completions, right? But like hey, like 10, 12 yard completions and hit them in the hands and they just dropped it, right? For whatever reason, um, I just don't think that was get that is going to happen against SMU. Like you said, Peyton, like if if they shut out SMU, then yeah, this, this completely changes uh, what I think. But I think just specifically for that defense, man, we're going to, we're going to find out a lot. We're going to find out quite a bit. I'm not going to find out everything, not going to find everything out against SMU, but you're going to find out a lot about what you have, especially in the secondary that's been talked up a lot, um, especially in uh, the, the pass rush, right? We get to hear the whole like, we don't, or we don't have to hear the whole like, oh, yeah, they had seven man protections, eight man protections, and we're throwing it as quick as possible, just as to not get uh, the Shroud kid killed before conference play. You know, like that. I'm I'm looking forward to that man, seeing how that defense, because offensively, I, I think OU showed they can be fine. I, I'm not expecting a 73 again, but I think offensively they showed like Dylan looked very good again. For Dylan, it'll be, hey, can you stack another one on top of that one? Can you be consistent and stack good games together? Uh, and then defensively, just, you know, cover some of those holes up that, I mean, cause there were not a lot, but there were some holes against Arkansas state that a team like SMU will, will take advantage of. Well, let's get everyone on the record here and get our score predictions. Uh, we we're all off uh, last week. We all had OU winning big, but we did not have, not, none of us had them covering and none of us had the score from that perspective. Uh, another score for, Yes, uh, was, another quick shout out to our pa- a patron of ours, Jordan Mayhew. He oh, yep. was by far the closest. He he said 59 to nothing on the Patreon, which you can find at patreon.com slash through the keyhole. Good job. Um, now, my score here for prediction for the record is OU 41, SMU 24, OU covering. I believe right now the, the animation I put out is OU 16 and a half. Uh, so I have them over by 17. Um, OU covering and OU doing a decent job allowing 24 points to get just a certain section of the fan base a little more worried than they should be. Uh, Alan, what's your official prediction for SMU Oklahoma? Oh, he's getting yeah, up the know. numbers. Let's see. I'm looking at here. Yeah, they're, they're – uh, let's see. Their spread is about 16 points and over under 70. I think, I think that this goes actually under. Um, I'll say something like mm, – how about 45 to 21 Sooners wins 45-21. Also having them on the cover there. Um, a little bit wider spread. Brady, the official prediction. 
SMU, Oklahoma. I in July when I did my season prediction, I said fifty-two to twenty OU, and I still feel good about that. That seems fairly realistic. I'll uh, mm-hmm. once we get further into the season for our predictions, the week of, I'll probably deviate from my July predictions because things will happen in between. But I think after last week, um, fifty-two to twenty sounds like uh, if the good guys win, um, it'll be probably something like that where it might be twenty-one to fourteen or twenty-one to seventeen in the first half, then OU's talent just kind of wins out. And Matt, last but not least, man, what do you got? SMU, Oklahoma. Uh, give me 41-21. Give me 41-21. I was going to be a little, little sneaky snake there and do like 41-28 with like a late score after the game was over. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, cover, yeah. Like a little late backdoor cover, but give me 41-21. Sooners win this one. Uh, we're all very excited about the cover on this. <laughs> we're all very excited about this uh, going down. Uh, that That's good. That's good. So we have it there. Now I can build the animation uh, later this week of our official, with our beautiful little faces on there. A uh, shout out to the, for the art uh, art director who uh, took care of that for us um, uh, on the, through the keyhole. Now let's uh, shift over to the rest of the week one. Uh, I have, I'm, I'm talking about the Nebraska Colorado game. Now, it, it it was something that was interesting beforehand. I have a Colorado friend uh, who lives down here. This is the most excited I've ever seen him uh, about college football in 15 years. And that's just when they hired Prime. Uh, you know, uh, I'm sorry, Deion Sanders. I'm not on nickname basis with uh, Deion yet. Uh, but now that they actually beat, he was at the TCU game. Now that, now that they beat somebody, he's literally insufferable. Every time, every time I see him, he just starts screaming at me. We coming, uh, so it's just how it is right now for them. But I think it's just cool. I mean, I don't know. It's 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 a big eight matchup. It's it's you know college football kind of going back in time, and I don't know. There's something to it that shows you. After such a tumultuous, you know, back and forth in this offseason about conference realignment and who, what programs are actually worth anything and who watches who and what does what. And you have Texas Tech's, you know, bloggers showing you, you know, the, the per number basis for their team is whatever. And it, I think it's just really interesting how quickly and how easily it is for a college football program to be the talk of the town. Uh, and all they had to do is hire Deion Sanders. Now, maybe you can't No, not, not every team can do that. But this game has juice on it now. From one side, I don't think there's any juice on the Nebraska side after their poor showing uh, in, in Minnesota. Uh, but, I mean, Brady, is there anything like historically that scratches, you know, in the back of your mind thinking Colorado, Nebraska, Big 8 football that kind of has you kind of thinking about it uh, from any way, shape, or form? Or is this just another game that's on for you right now? It, it's going to be just another game, if not for, um, I mean, your favorite podcast, the Solid Verbal, yeah, um, they they had this particular gentleman on recently. Um, one of my other favorite podcasts, other than Through the Keyhole and West of Everest and the Scooter Pod, would be uh, Last Podcast on the Left. And they also had this particular gentleman on their uh, most recent episode, and that would be Dan Carlin of Hardcore History. Mm-hmm. And if not for him, I would not have given two shits about Colorado's victory against TCU. But you know, Dan Carlin being a history nerd, the best his- history podcaster in the game, um him being a Colorado fan and an old school Colorado fan, because in both those podcasts for about an hour, he would just kind of talk about um, how he just misses playing Nebraska and Oklahoma. And so yeah. it was, it was fun to like, especially from like, cause he recognized like, yeah, Colorado had like a run in the late eighties and the nineties. But before that we would just get our ass kicked by uh, OU and go back and forth with Nebraska. 
And so I'm like, I, I, I respect that. So, um, I was happy for Colorado. Um, and I don't really have anything nice to say about Nebraska. The reason why conference realignment is the way they, that it is, is partly to blame, uh, for them. So, uh, fuck them. And I hope Colorado <laughs> just run, like runs a train on them for four quarters and doesn't stop. The, I think the thing that made me start pulling for Colorado, um, I don't, it, it, they have, a, they, they wear the underdog mentality on their shoulder. But I think there's, I think it was like 20 something seconds left in the game. The camera like really lingered on Dion and this assistant coach started hugging him and started like, you can tell he was like visibly crying. And it's like, this team was just the bottom of the barrel. I believe was like the worst college football program last year uh, with UMass <laughs> down there. And now they just went and beat a top 25 football team, you know, in their town, in their stadium and, and pulled it all off. And, you know, there's a lot of, I don't think Dion was being like shouted down from the rooftops, you know, you know, depending on how you want to interpret what, what Brent said, what other people have said, they basically said they didn't like that. So many dudes basically got cut, <laughs> uh, but there were some saying this may implode. Who knows what's going to happen? Can he really coach? And even though it's only one game, Dion proved something <laughs> at, at, at TCU in Fort Worth. I'm not sure what it is quite yet, but it's made the season a little more interesting, you know, coming up with Nebraska, obviously this weekend, uh, USC coming pretty soon. Cause I don't think they have a defense to stop Colorado that all of a sudden is like, this might be an interesting football game because they may score 70 on each other. Like this might be interesting just dude for that fact. I mean, Alan, does, does the, does the big noon kickoff have any juice for you? Oh, sure. It's interesting. Right. I mean, just to see Colorado play, I mean, they, they looked uh, a lot better obviously than I expected. I think Nebraska is going to win this game, honestly. Oh. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, TCU had a lot of problems in that game mm -hmm. that I don't expect Nebraska is going to have on top of that. Now everybody's got a chance to uh, look at a week of footage of what Colorado is doing, uh, which is kind of one of the things, one of the benefits, right, of having a whole entirely new team is nobody knows what's coming. Uh, and I suspect that when it gets down to it, uh, Nebraska is going to be stronger in the trenches than yeah. uh, Colorado. They'll make it a physical game and, uh, you know, probably keep the scoring way down. I didn't think that TCU, like uh, Kendall Bryles, just I wasn't particularly impressed with no. his offensive game plan at all. Um, so, I mean, I think Nebraska will play a smarter game and uh, and get the, uh, get the victory here because, you know, I mean, yeah – Dion's doing a lot to kind of establish the culture and whatnot there and all that. But I mean, it's not like Matt rule doesn't need wins too to uh, get everybody yeah. fired up about him. This would be a great way to do it. Yeah. Really trusting uh, Sims, the quarterback from Nebraska to uh, play, you know, mistake-free football on that side. So I'll, I'll let you live on that Island uh, to see what happens <laughs> I'll there. Then, then. <laughs> yeah. I had to, uh, I had to eat a ton of crow this week on the, uh, on the radio. I was uh, basically hammering, Colorado and this that yeah they were gonna get killed by TCU I even when I was in Vegas I had I took Colorado under three and a half like I'm this close to like just tearing that ticket up like I think they might <laughs> think they're gonna win more than that um but yeah no as far as Dion like it wasn't I wasn't down on them because I don't think Dion's a good coach I don't think Dion's a good recruiter I don't think this I don't think he, he was a good uh, long-term hire like none of that was why i thought colorado would be 
bad this year. It was just, I don't, we haven't seen that team. We haven't seen a team do that much turnover in a transfer portal window and have any amount of success. Like, I mean, just look at OU last year, right? I mean, they had, they went six and seven and they turned over almost half of their entire roster in the transfer portal. And like, I just didn't know what the repercussions of that was, but it turns out that if you, get rid of basically every player that went one and 11 and replace them with other guys. <laughs> it, it tends to work out. Maybe you'll be a little bit better than then, you were. So uh, shout you, out to Dion. And then you have a five-star that can play both ways. Yeah. yeah that's good. something. Yeah. That's something that's going to, I mean, I know everyone's maybe not everyone. I'm, I'm going to speak in, in very large, like almost like I'm a Sith. Um, it's, it's like, it's Caleb's to win it again, two times in a row, yada, yada, yada. If Colorado has like a six and six season and Travis Hunter continues to do what he's done, then let's say week one is basically what he does. Now, it'd be very hard for him to get 100 yards, you know, offense and get a pick and shut down a couple of guys. But if that's like, if he's able to replicate that 80% of the way, it's hard for me not to say you should just give it to this guy. I mean, he's just like, look what he's doing from that perspective, you know, and, and plus he's going to walk into the NFL as like a, you know, top three pick, top five pick or something like that uh, and use half of them on either side. I mean, he's a complete shutdown corner and he may be a better wide receiver for Colorado. Like it's, that's just, that's just the part that's just like very interesting. You know, it's almost kind of like a Shohei Atani type of situation there. It's like, yeah, he's great, but he's also hitting 50 dingers. So like we may need to do one way or the other here uh, in football. And, and, you know, I, I know it's kind of being said like, you know, all heroic and stuff, uh, just for his play, like uh, what was it, like 120 total snaps, something like that. But like the field temperature was like 120 or something. That it's, it's borderline criminal to a certain degree uh, well, uh, to to have him do that. Dion probably decided we're gonna let you play both ways, son. And here's why: because the rule changes are taking away five to seven plays a game. Yeah, potentially. And uh, yet yeah, they're still four hours long, so you'll have a lot of time to like relax. <laughs> <laughs> Get your favorite well, ads. Dion, Dion's a, a monster too, man. Out there in that hoodie. The hoodie, that, I know. That, in that weather. Yeah. <laughs> I'll I'll retroactively eat crow because I, I don't think I was asked my opinion on this on the game, the Colorado TCU game. Um, I've been hopeful for Colorado and Dion mm-hmm. Sanders because I I like Dion for some damn reason. He is not uh, crossed cool. us yet. So uh, I'm sure if there was ever an example of a recruiting battle between OU and Colorado and Colorado wins it, I probably won't like him as much, Um, but we'll cross that bridge when we inevitably get there. Um, But for now, like I I was hopeful for Colorado and I was very like not TCU is not going to, they're not going to sniff the same team they had last year. They were the luckiest team Mm -hmm. in the last 10 to 15 years at the very least last year. Um, But I would, if I had been asked, I would have picked TCU to win. I just didn't expect Colorado to get slapped in the face like some people thought they were going to. Like, I think the whole replacing all the players and having like X amount of scholarship players on your roster, um, all this from a one and eleven team last year. I think that that's going to play out as the season goes along. Um, but I thought in a one game situation where like all the eyes of the football world were going to be on this game, um, I thought Colorado and, and Deion Sanders especially, especially would have the Buffaloes like ready to go. Um, so I did not expect them to not only just kind of punch early like they did, but absorb some counter punches from TCU and punch back multiple times. So that was 
they might be a little bit better than I think they were supposed to be. Um, mm-hmm. But again, I'll I'll be fair and say like I would have picked Colorado to lose too, but I was happy to see TCU lose. Yeah, I mean th- that puts you straight at odds with Allen there. You have you have TCU at six and six. Allen has him at ten and two. I want I've got these records. I want to keep pulling them up every single week, guys. <laughs> so prepare yourselves for this. Uh, but Brady, uh, let's transition over to you for your week two game that you picked out, Utah. Baylor, you know, it kind of gives uh, Utah a chance to kind of take on another religious school and potentially bury them in the ground. Uh, so walk me through. Why did you pick this Baylor game? Well, first of all, did Bray Walker kick the shit out of Baylor last week? Did he? Is he a starter for Texas State? Does anybody know that? If he's not a starter, it'd be completely sad for his career. I, I know. Um, who I'm, was the? Uh, def- I'm researching. Researching. Who's the, who's the defensive yeah, pull that tackle? Up. Who's the? It de- is Bray uh, Walker starting at a uh, right guard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's funny um who was the defensive tackle that transferred from texas state to ou what was his name Devon dustin sears, sears. Devon, devon sears yeah sears, sears. Yeah. yeah so did his stock like immediately go up after this performance it's like oh texas state's <laughs> like they're not bad no uh also former sooner josh eaton uh, starting at corner mm-hmm. for them so goodness no um Dave Aranda and Baylor to me, um, and I say this knowing full well that Aranda won a Big 12 championship. Um, it was during a season where the clear-cut, most talented team was coached by a guy with his foot out the fucking door before week one. Um, so other than that, Dave Aranda has basically made his name on my defenses kind of stifle Lincoln yeah. Riley's. Yet, um, what was... Lincoln's record against like he beat him in 2020. He lost to him in 2021. Was that it? Or did they play each other more? Was that it? Yeah, because Jalen Hurts yeah. beat them in 2019. That yeah. was Matt Rule. Yeah. yeah. So like a lot of a lot of his name, it was like the Matt Campbell thing where, oh, Matt Campbell's Iowa State squads, they upset OU one year and then they played them close. And that was it. And yet let's let's anoint this guy. I kind of thought the same thing with Dave Aranda, although, like I said, he was able to get a big toll championship. Um, but it seems like his roster management, his the way he's running a team is just over time is showing to not be very good. And maybe it's just in this conference. It's just not working. But um, I was very happy to see Texas State just beat the living shit out of Baylor. And if they thought Texas State was hard, oh, boy. Whittingham is going to destroy Baylor. It's it's going to be bad. Yeah. yeah. And again, I think I think the Baylor thing is the same thing as the tech thing where they're thinking, yeah, Texas, Texas State, yeah, whatever. We've got you know, Utah week two. That's the game we gotta pay attention to. Uh and you know, the for for the tech side of things, things get weird, yada yada, you know, they're leading, all the different different kind of stuff. Baylor just got pushed around. <laughs> that that's the part that if you're looking at this, you just immediately go, Oh, this isn't this isn't like we were looking ahead or something. This team had no competitive fire, or if they did, they had no ability to push around Texas State. Like, or you know that that's the issue. That if you're Dave Aranda or something, you're you're needing to kind of sit, reset expectations for external people, and internally, you're trying to do everything you can to keep buy-in. Or oh, this is a this is a tailspin waiting to happen if you're zero and two in Utah coming off of I mean maybe Utah's coming off there's an emotional letdown coming off of Florida that type of a thing it was like the first uh 
top 25 team or first non-comp first, you know, first power five team Utah's beaten that wasn't a Pac-12 team in like five years or something. So, you know, they themselves have been somewhat kind of fraudish outside of the Pac-12 playing games. So this would be kind of interesting. But yeah, I, I expect Utah to cover whatever number it, it's there at that point in time. But I mean, Alan, what are your thoughts on this Utah Baylor game? Yeah, Utah really surprised me with how well they played with uh, Cam Rising out. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I'm assuming he's still on the shelf this week. They had that kind of QB rotation going and uh, their big win over Florida. Um, you know, I think that they come in and uh, take care of business there in Waco. I'm going to be interested to see one thing going forward. I mean, what's the story at quarterback with, with Baylor, with Shapin? Um, you know, I believe he went out. I think he might be out for a couple of weeks, uh, you know, and with, you know, Whittingham on the other side, that's not, that's never a, a good sign to have a young quarterback going up against, uh, you know, the Utes. So I, like I said, I think the Utes take care of business here. Yeah, they've got Baylor has Sawyer Robertson and RJ Martinez behind Blake Shapin. I've never heard of these people. <laughs> well, I, I heard of Robertson last week when he came in the game after Shapin yeah. went out, but yeah. uh, I didn't see anything to make me think that he was uh, the answer. So, Sawyer Robinson transferred from, I guess, Mississippi State. I can't really tell from this this picture yeah, cut that off. Sounds right. Yeah, because he's he's from Lubbock, so that would make sense why he would have gone to Mississippi State because. He would have obviously played for Mike Leach before he passed away. Um, I just read up on Cam Rising. He's apparently able to practice full participation with no limitations this week. So if he is fine, I guess in theory, that means we could see Cam Rising beat the shit out of Baylor instead of whoever their backup quarterback was, who played very well against Florida. Yeah. Shame on me for not knowing his name. And then we'll transition over to the last game of the week. We've got uh, Allen. Saving up for the big one, Texas, Alabama. Uh, I was on the uh, just just for clarification. I have Texas going ten and two, and I had Texas winning this football game. Uh, did you have them beating Rice? I did. I did. So so far, I'm good on that. You were scared uh, but, for a minute, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I I truly thought the QB position would be buoyed by the by the wide receivers to a point by the pass catchers to a point to where it kind of wouldn't matter. But um, Everson, he did not do anything that make me think he's a different quarterback all of a sudden, like everyone was saying he was. And then a lot of his, I don't know if, if you guys listened to uh, his and Worthy's uh, press conference stuff. Um, it doesn't seem like all's right in Austin when it comes to uh, connecting on the deep ball. Um, you have Worthy saying, we all got to get better. It starts with, you know, the offensive line, the pass catchers, you know, and the quarterback has got to throw the football better. And we all, have, you know, it's all, he's trying to say it's all of us. And then, uh, you know, uh, Quinn's comment was, I thought I did a really good job throwing the football out there uh, and we got to get it figured out. So uh, it, it, two people looking at the situation wildly differently. And one of them wanted to transfer very, uh, very hard last year. Uh, so that, I, I think, I th- I, I'm going to hold on to it because I said Texas is going to win, but now my assumption is they're probably going to get run out of the stadium. Shit, uh, I'd be in some I'd way, be, shape, or form. I'd be cocky as hell and not very humble like that if I also had seminars where pe- people paid five grand to talk to me. So <laughs> I don't blame them. That's Texas's problem. Yeah, but Alan, you wanted to talk about it. Texas, Alabama. Yeah, you know, Texas was the opposite of OU in Week One in the sense that. The way they kind of, uh, you know, they played around with uh, Rice didn't really ever get separation until the second half. 
uh, you know, that that's the opposite had the opposite effect in the analytics, you know, pushing Texas yes. down. Yeah. Uh, to where, you know, now, you know, a system like SP plus is showing OU as a favorite in that game. I mean, I'm certainly not ready to go there, but, uh, I think the, the question that I've had about Texas, honestly, um, you know, really in the off season is there's this assumption that they've gotten so much better on the offensive line and like, I mean, Banks is very, very good. But I don't see it with the rest of those guys yet. I'm I'm not sure where this idea, you know, I, I kept hearing people say, oh, well, now they've got an SEC caliber offensive line. And I, I don't know. I don't see it that way. I just don't see the the that kind of level of dominance. And it wasn't there um last week either. I mean, I, I think that they're gonna have some serious problems with you know, with the way Bama attacks them in the trenches. Uh and you know, in that respect, I mean this this looks like a harder game for Texas to win in my mind after watching last week. Yeah. I, I think if it's just the, you know, the talent trumps all crowd, it, it may be saying that because I think two years ago, you know, Texas signed the, the best offensive class, the best offensive lineman class, like in the history of modern college football recruiting or something. So it's like, well, if they did that, then obviously my livelihood depends on me getting these numbers right. <laughs> they should have a great offensive line by now. Uh, it just has not turned out. Like you said, they're like one for five uh, on all those offensive linemen who uh, who they got in that class uh, two years ago with Banks being the guy, it, which is strange to me because I, I mean, I hold Flood in, in high regard yeah. as offensive lineman, uh, offensive line coach, and it's just not turning out the way uh, it's going on. You know, and I remember when the NIL stuff first started happening, you know, it kind of had the college football like shook a little bit with the pancake factory or whatever they were and all that type of stuff, paying for offensive linemen, 50K uh, to come play and all that type of stuff just did not turn out that way. Uh, But I guess it's the SEC matchup of the week, Texas, Alabama. Brady, what what do you think is going to happen down in Tuscaloosa? Do you think there's going to be some revenge factor uh, on on Saban's mind or does he keep – uh, keep, keep it easy on his uh, on his uh, former assistant. Oh, I absolutely think like Saban has been thinking about this game since probably the second quarter of last year's Alabama Texas game because that was an abysmally embarrassing performance. Um, I've seen a few OU games where I've uh, where OU has won, and then I was kind of embarrassed about that victory because that that was not a good win. Like I'm glad we won, but oh my god, that there are a lot of problems on this team and. Um, Alabama last year certainly showed um, how the rest of their season was going to go because like every game you watched uh, the Crimson Tide last year, they would get flagged a thousand times and that's what helped keep Texas in that game. <clears throat> but I will say, you know, I watched a no huddle version of the Bama Middle Tennessee State game and, you know, the no huddle videos, you you lose some nuance because they'll skip some plays or you won't hear things that announcers will kind of reveal um, during a game, you won't see stats or that much. Um, it took a minute for Alabama's offense to go. And I think we've al- always kind of known that with Jalen Milrow, the guy is supremely talented. Um, I don't want to make like the lazy comparison, but he kind of runs like Vince young where it's mm-hmm. just really effortless and just long strides. And he's just the biggest guy on the field. Uh, he's thicker than Vince young, but he's not like Jalen hurts. Like he's got like legitimate speed in the open field. Whereas Jalen hurts, not not so much still very fast but not so much um i could see alabama just like looking at this game and going we could just line up and beat them we don't have to do anything fancy we can just zone read them to death 
because I don't know if they've got the guys on defense, at least experience wise to stop this attack. So I don't know how much of Alabama's kind of slow, slow to go offense that they had last week is going to impact this game because Alabama's just better. Um, they're at home. Alabama fans know how they played last year and they're going to make sure that uh, um, Texas does not have a very welcoming environment. And I just, I don't see this ending well for Texas because again, I don't think the world of Quinn Ewers and I would not be shocked if we see two, maybe three Texas quarterbacks in this game. <laughs> Matt, let's round it up, man. Alabama, Texas. You got any thoughts on it? Yeah, I think, I think Bama's still pissed off from last year. <laughs> I think yeah. they're still pissed off from last year, man. And too, like, yeah, Texas offensive line, I'm just not sold. I, this, like you guys said, I'm not, I'm not sold on it. And if they were getting pushed around a little bit by Rice, I can't imagine what Alabama's going to do to them. So, yeah, that, I, I think Alabama covers the seven, gets out of there with the win. And um, also, before we wrap up, too, I got a couple games that I want to. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, we don't Ole have Miss... any time. Sorry. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Ole Miss at Tulane. <laughs> Ole Miss at Tulane. And then, guys, it's time to bet the under. It's the annual under bet. It's the Cyhawk game oh, at Jack Trice yes. Stadium. Let's go. Us and the players, we're all betting on it, baby. Yeah. Well, I mean, no, you've got, well, that's going to have some juice there. We got, we got a former uh, president, Donald Trump, will be in attendance mm-hmm. for the Cyhawk game. So maybe both, I would think there's probably quite a few players on both of those rosters who are very jacked up about that. Yeah. They're <laughs> wanting ready, a, uh, ready to go. Yeah. They're wanting a former presidential pardon on their uh, gambling bets. And stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it is. I mean, the Iowa Hunter fans, Decker's just outside the stadium. Let me in. The Iowa fans can get away with like just chanting "lock him up," and no one will know who they're referring to. <laughs> <Right>. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yes, yes. Uh, uh, and I think we had the press conference on here, but I think Brent basically said everyone's healthy. We're ready to play SMU. There was nothing I, I, really I did, of note. I did want to point out, like with, yes. when he was talked about, when he mentioned Drake Stoops, like. Because mm-hmm. I saw someone tweet out exactly what he said, and it kind of gave me like some pause because I've been under the assumption that Drake's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I saw the the transcript. I'm like, hmm, I don't know. Then I actually watched the uh, press conference, and he said it in in a way that was that kind of gave me the impression that if we were playing a better game, he would have just come back in. It's no big deal. So we just we didn't need him. So no, yeah, no skin off our back. So I expect Drake on the field on Saturday and. Maybe even to saw McCullough because it was kind of the same thing with him, but he might be a little bit dinged up. So it might be a situation where, hey, if Justin Harrington just has it today, we don't need you to saw him. We'll we'll keep you for a conference play. Yeah, Um, that pretty much wraps us up on everything. Uh, Just to keep everyone here who's listening and you've continued to listen. Thank you so much. If you're not patrons. We do have a lot of content coming out this week. Tomorrow, we have film review of the Arkansas State game. We also have uh, a picks trying not to suck from Allen uh, coming out soon. We have Friday, I have on uh, Steve Helwick. from the, uh, He covers all of the uh, American uh, Conference. We'll be talking about the SMU game from, opponent, from an opponent's review. And then also the no cap recap, which will be um, Sunday after the game in Norman at Vanessa House. So there's lots of content in the season to come check out. Have fun with us. Follow us on our socials. You get to see some really cool little animations I'm kind of playing around with, kind of messing around with some uh, handicaps and predictions and things like that. Um, But basically for everyone, for myself, Matt, Alan, Brady, thank you guys so much. Boomer! Boomer!